Welcome to the Talent Matters Podcast. Learn how to make the most of talent as a competitive advantage, navigate today's fast-changing talent landscape, and prepare now for the future of work. Here's your hosts, Brian Arzani and Jennifer Erickson. All right, so we are super excited. We're back here today. Talent Matters. I'm Brian Arzani. And I'm Jennifer Erickson. Uh, we are very excited to be able to interview our guest today. We have been able to be around uh, this individual for, we've worked together for what, Bruce? It's going on 15 ish years. Boom, baby. 15. Holy cow. That may be kind of amazing. So we are honored because we're excited that you know he's he's able to share some things here today, talk about the changes in, in their industry, their evolution of their business. But 31 years, Logan Contractor Supply has been in business. Bruce Logan is the president and CEO. I would, we would consider, Jennifer, I would consider him as much a, has been a client as he has been a mentor because great clients push their vendors to perform at higher levels. And Bruce has continued to do that. And we're excited for some of the nuggets that we will gain from this selfishly, but we know that you will as well as owners and executives within your respective businesses. So with that, Bruce, I'm going to shut up for a second here and just, you know, just give you a chance here to talk a little about yourself, where you come from, how this start. I mean, I love the story of, you know, you you share a little bit about how your dad, you know, had the the financial side, but he did it on your back. Um, Just What'd that journey start out like? How did you, you know, how'd you get here, man? 31 years. I mean, so what, you're now about, what, 40 Yeah. Do we start when we were 10? <laughs> Boy, I sure don't feel that way anymore. Um, well, Logan Contractor Supply was incorporated in 1990, and it was an opportunity my father had in buying a company. And at that point in time, he was in need of uh, uh, some help some backroom help, so to speak. And uh, that's when I joined him was 1990. That's when we changed the shingle on the door to Logan Contractor Supply. And Logan Contractor Supply is uh, uh, perhaps a second to 15th tier, uh, depending on how you think, Mm -hmm. of an avenue of business. Uh, We're not IT and we're not IBM and uh, we're not Microsoft or Google or Amazon. But we fill a pretty productive niche in the construction materials and equipment supply side of the construction industry within the Midwest. So perhaps not, again, not too sexy, but definitely pays the bills. So how did you join the company if your father started it? How did that evolution happen? Well, the reality of that is we were both affiliated with a previous company together that went defunct. Okay. Um, And at that point in time, uh, my father, Jerry, purchased the assets, uh, obviously, because I had no money whatsoever. (laughs) You were in school at the time, weren't you? Um, sort of freshly within a couple of years out of school. Okay. So, uh, yeah, his, uh, his money in my back is, uh, what I flippantly throw out there, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was opportunity that I took advantage of. So you started what, as a manager then? I started as a low level learning the business kind of guy who swept the floors, dealt with shipping and receiving, helped customers, made sales calls, cleaned restrooms, loaded product, unloaded product, and generally uh, tried to find a way within our company, our business, our people in my mind of how do we create a great team and a great company. That is awesome. So does that, has that, that's pretty cool. So 
great company, great people, great team. So has that changed? No, we have a fantastic company that is drilled down within our culture of some very great people. So size-wise, I mean, because one of the biggest problems is as growth occurs, some of those basic values go away. So where were you at when you started the organization in terms of number of employees, number of locations, and uh, where are you at today? We started with uh, two locations quickly within a year, year and a half, had three. Uh, those three were within two states of Iowa and Nebraska. At that point in time, we had approximately 12 employees, 12 staffers, including myself, um, and really uh, catered to a very specific side of the construction market, which is the highway and interstate paving as well as repair. Uh, so we really only dealt with a couple of buckets, but we did them very well. Today, we are seven stores strong in four states and uh, 180 plus employees. And I guess revenue comparison would be approximately 15 to 20 when we started, million that is. And today, well in excess of 100 million. Wow. And when you're asked, what do you value most? It still boils down to team people, company, you know, over the years, I've asked you questions about, you know, going into a new market and you, you, you say this phrase and, you know, I, I asked you, Hey, would you go into a market and make an acquisition? And you have continuously told me, no, we go into a market and we set up the Logan tent, the circus tent. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So talk about this Logan tent. I mean, because you're not the only game in town, right? And there's other folks that are filling those. So what is that Logan tent thing? I love listening when you explain this. And I think those that are listening here today will benefit from hearing it as well. Yeah. Uh, the, the Logan circus tent or circus tent in general <laughs> is our desire is to hire the best clowns, which we've done a very good job of that, by the way. Uh, the best lion tamers, uh, the best gymnasts, um, and let them do their thing, Right. Uh, good people under good structure or understanding let loose to to really tap into their creative side within the confines of the circus tent. Obviously, there has to be some rule and regulation. Um, is a perfect recipe for a fantastic and entertaining circus. Love it. So, people really set your company apart is what I hear you saying. The people you hire. Absolutely. Our culture is internally first, believe it or not, driven by people within Logan's before we even start thinking about the people being our customer base. Uh, we have to have our circus tent in order uh, to even or before we even consider selling tickets. Gotcha. So looking back, when you got into management finally or got into a position where you were doing the hiring, what's changed between then and now as far as talent in the market available? Yeah, good question there. What has changed within talent in the marketplace? So I've been doing this for 31 years for Logan's, uh, three years prior. So pushing 35 years, I'm an old man in the business today. 
Um, we find today that number one, the labor force in and of itself is a little tight, especially here in the Midwest where we have had for approximately the last five years, the lowest unemployment numbers uh, throughout the U.S. Um, so we have a tight labor market and I would say that's quickly followed by an inexperienced labor market. And what I mean by that is the potential individuals coming to our circus tent um, are not as experienced as perhaps we were back in the day. And I attribute that to something as simple as in recent history, the last 20 years, Many of the high schoolers didn't have part-time or full-time summer jobs. Mm. Uh, many of them perhaps did not have a, uh, a father around. Uh, perhaps they didn't go out in the garage and diddle around like we did, whether that was on a car motor or just learning how to put a screw into a piece of wood. So there's a couple of different attributes and challenges that have uh, – filtered into a less experienced labor market. Do a lot of applicants come with at least some vocational training in high school anymore? Or have they done away with that as well? Well, I think we're seeing a resurgence of uh, vocational uh, training out there at the high school level and or perhaps even before. But yeah, there's a there's definitely a shortage. I think there was a heavy concentration for many years and still is today, of course, and there needs to be to an extent, but not uh, completely, on four-year educations. And that education probably needs to be in software or code writing or something to do with computers and maybe not necessarily with your hands. So what creative things are you doing or have been exploring to find some of that talent that might have some of that exposure experience? I know you've shared, we've we've pontificated over some sushi yeah on occasion. Uh, Dragon roll. There you go. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> reaching down into that, that group and we talked about some, you know, intern type ideas. I mean, you've been kind of innovatively yeah. approaching that. Well, I don't know if innovation is uh, maybe the best descript. However, we, we've tried, we tried a few different things um, throughout the course of really the last, I would say 10 years, everything from, starting our own training programs for high schoolers, whether that's within the operational side of our business or perhaps the service side, meaning the mechanic, mechanical side. Um, and that helped to lesser degrees. I think where we're at today, fast forward, we've succumbed to the fact that our payroll is gonna have to be a little bit fatter um, because we're going to have to spend longer amounts of time training up individuals that don't have the life experience that we need and so many other businesses need. And, uh, and we're doing a better job of onboarding and focusing that training to bring them on and immediately put them in educational programs. So here's a good question. So while those are listening right now, you're thinking, okay, Bruce has, he said, seven locations. Seven locations. 180 employees. He must have a, an HR staff of probably seven or eight, right? One per location, extra doubled up at the corporate office. But drum roll, I mean, what, what's your HR staff look like today? 
Our HR staff is really handled by, we'll say, one person, um, albeit. Hang on a second. I think some of the people that are listening right now just like literally dropped their coffee or pulled off on the side of the road to have a moment to breathe. But okay, gather yourselves back. I'll let Bruce continue. I apologize. Yeah, I would tell you that uh, <laughs> uh, really one one major person that handles the HR, but there's many that have their fingers in it, including myself, from time to time, albeit this uh, this gal who has been with us um, since her beginning in business um, is part octopus. She does have a lot of different arms and can do a lot of different things. Uh, we have succumbed to the fact that we use the experts. And what do I mean by that? Let's take uh, liability insurance, for instance. We could have a full-time staffer and safety person within our organization or within our all of our branches within that circus tent. However, we choose or have chosen a different path where we sat down with our liability insurance company and said, hey, you guys are the experts. You guys are the ones that are staying on top of this on a daily basis. How about you become our safety person and our director within the liability piece. Interesting. Again, That's pretty cool, man. Just an example. Yeah. And it's worked out really well where we have not had to put on that staffer, which in the Midwest here would be a anywhere from a forty-five dollars to $65,000 job. We're already paying them a premium. And we've done that not only within the liability side, we've done that on the health side. Uh, we do that uh, in the training side and some of the sales promotions and other education pieces that we that we have. And we have promoted that with many of our vendors on our mechanical side. Again, running within our circus tent uh, mechanics that fix equipment in every one of our facilities. So you're not really, you're not haphazardly going out saying, hey, we're just going to hope we don't get caught which you've looked at is building depth <laughs> within your organization and really almost a disaster recovery plan. Cause with a single employee, if that person leaves, then you've got to go get that tribal knowledge, et cetera, et cetera, to bring a new person to speed. That's, that's pretty innovative, man. I mean, that's well, um, I'm a big one to partner and I'm a big one to let the experts do what the experts do. So one thing I've noticed you don't partner or haven't had not partnered early on much with, and maybe a little bit when you would have corporate events, when you would bring your tent and team and culture together, you were pretty particular on who touched your people, <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Tell us more about that. <clears throat> First of all, tell us the why. Yes. Did you have an experience that, <clears throat> that led you to that thinking? Uh, that why is probably exactly just the experience. And I think when you refer to, I was cautious um, in who, quote unquote, touched our people or educated them or interacted with them. It's not that I'm a control freak or control person whatsoever. It's my experience out there was a lot of the training a lot of the interface and a lot of the things that I was seeing from from various other companies that were vendors we dealt with or uh, companies that we were looking at bringing in for specialized training, they were not as good at it as us. And I knew being with the company since the beginning, what really worked or at least what worked for us and how the best way was to be brought up 
and spoon fed, so to speak, and not fire hosed uh, on our way to educating everybody. Well, I mean, that's that's the way employees feel a lot of times when the when the owners or executives wash their hands and say, hey, next three hours, I brought in a babysitter, entertainer, a little, you know, uh, little rah-rah. Yeah. And they walk out and those people have got to feel, I mean, so yeah, I, th- I, I think I give a lot of kudos to you in that you've continually come back to us and said, hey, I'm looking for a fresh idea. Here's the outcome, but I'm going to do it. A lot of companies like us would say, well, we want, we got to, but when we've watched and witnessed, there is a different, when, when a Logan truck pulls onto a job site or a Logan employee walks into a room, they are different. And I think that directly has to do with how intimately aware you've been about the culture, how people look, eat, breathe, sleep to carry that, that Logan flag. Right. Well, I think Brian and Jennifer, your organization is a, is a fine example of working with an organization such as us and or an organization that maybe is a little picky on who we let in and how we let them in. Because when we first started our uh, relationship here, I remember having the conversation of your reply to me was, yes, Bruce, we have that. We can do that. And uh, here's how (laughs) we'll lay it out. (laughs) And uh, you gave me the latitude and our company, the latitude to really sit down and pick pieces out of your educational uh, programs that, that we felt best fit our individuals at the time. So you were creative in rolling with the punches and perhaps redesigning some of your educational. Absolutely. So you started out doing a lot of this training yourself. Yes. On a regular basis with your team. Mm -hmm. But now you have 180 employees, seven locations. You can't do it all. So who's assisting in that endeavor now? Well, that's that's why we're now into 3D holograms. No. <laughs> uh, no, again, we have some great people, and there has been some that have studied under me, some that have uh, studied under others. Obviously, uh, we culminate and push all that together, and they can get the message out there, and we effectively believe in them to do that. Uh-huh. Uh, coupled with that today, and especially kind of almost post, hopefully post-COVID here, we're using a lot of uh, digital means such as Zoom and GoToMeeting Absolutely, and Teams. Yes. Uh, and we started actually leveraging that prior to COVID, um, knowing that we had the issue that we needed we needed to get the core message at least to our top team, management team. And that was just an easy way in our busy, busy environments not to have to have everybody drive to the home office in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, but to participate for five minutes to an hour uh, seated in their own comfortable office. So mechanics-wise, when it comes to training your people do you have a set schedule do you do quarterly a lot of people say i want to train my people but i don't even know how often i should do it how long classes should be let alone what should i train them on i wish wish there was a pat answer there and i wish i could sit here and tell you yeah i know all about that and here's the structure of how it all works and the golden key 
Um, but it's different for every department. It's different for every branch. It's different for every individual staffer. And uh, what we do our best in that circus tent is to tailor to that individual um, individual's need and or that individual department's need. That is a unique concept that we've found in our experience. So many companies try to do a one-size-fits-all, and we're going to have training every Tuesday. And even even if you're an eagle and you can fly, you're still going to flying class, by God. All right. And today, that wastes a lot of time. Oh, absolutely. And today, we don't have time to waste. Uh, You know, we talk about things and have for years within our organization that ultimately we are a society of convenience and instant gratification. Hmm. And uh, that descript in and of itself defines business today. None of us have time. Work is work and work is a struggle and it's demanding, but we all have lives outside of that because our children are demanding, our pets are demanding, our in-laws are demanding, our <laughs> spouses, etc. So, yeah, we uh, we make it work how it works best with where it works. Okay. I want to jump to hiring mm. because you're unique in that you look for the right fit, not just somebody who can fog a mirror. Right. <laughs> you <remember>. yeah. <laughs> right? So what is it that you really look for? And I'm not talking about your higher level positions. I'm talking about an entry level position, somebody you can hire, somebody you can groom to grow through the organization. What are you looking for? Wow, that too is a diversified pool. Um, there's many aspects of that, but I think first and foremost, we have always hired on personality. What is the personality that fits with the culture and the group that we already have? And and again, we start from there and we train out from from that point in regards to what that individual needs to be concentrating on. Okay, so I could come to you with no experience at all. And if I have the right personality, I might get a hire. Absolutely. Okay. Um, we're not four-year degreeers. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that uh, by any stretch. However, uh, we're looking for personality. We're looking for work history. We're looking for ethic uh, position and somebody that knows how to grind it, whether grinding's on the phone all day, calling customers, or whether grinding's moving 50 pound sacks for half the day. So I think everybody listening is probably saying, I'm looking for the same thing, right? So what is maybe a couple of um, hows? How are you doing it? So that they could walk out going, I never thought of doing it that way. Or maybe they're going to go back doing all that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The how. Wow. Um, Well, we all have our own personalities and we all know how we got to where we're at and I think that's probably a trail that I've followed. I try to look at people that are similar to me in one capacity or another for the simple fact that I know you can come in as a redhead, but we can make you a blonde if we need to, um, to be successful. And um, ultimately, it comes down to hire somebody similar to you that's going to work in your culture and work with your other teammates. So you had, you came in, you worked from your way up, 
it's a family business and uh, your son went off, went to school. Um, those of you that don't really have the opportunity to see Bruce's family's a, they're, they're a big, they're big people. They're like <laughs> Vikings, like not heavy, just big men and women. But uh, Jake, you know, what is he about six foot seven ish, yeah, whatever? He's, he's six, seven. Depends on what shoes he's wearing. But, anyways, he's a giant of a man. He goes to college, plays D1 basketball, comes out. And, you know, you being second generation, a lot of times second generation owners kind of forget, you know, to make their kids or make those that come in to struggle. And I think for the listeners here, I think it's important to kind of hear when when Jake decided, he said, you know, I think I'll I'll come in and <clears throat> have a go with it. You got a hundred and at the time, 160 employees where I looking around wondering what is the owner going to do? Is he going to give this, you know, kid the gift kind of like Tommy the boy to the kid? Yeah. Bring him back and throw him in the top rack and give him a, where did you, where did you put old Jakey at? Uh, well, I think the first thing Jake picked up was a broom. Um, For just a day, right? And then he got his glass office? <laughs> not at <laughs> all. No, I think it's the, um, it's, if you want to call it the struggle as you described it, I think it's uh, that that makes us all better. And uh, no, uh, nobody in our organization uh, gets the brass ring right away. It has to be an earned position. And as we all know or have been told throughout our lives, working for something uh, is much more appreciated than not. And it creates a tremendous amount of self value as well as experience ar- along the way. And I can proudly tell you today that uh, I was also a smart father as as my son came into the business, again, third generation, which historically are the generations that lose the businesses, um, knowing full well that that was the case, uh, put him under the tutorage of one of my right-hand guys, and because of course dad doesn't know anything well that was and, a, that uh, was smart yeah. that was real smart and uh and let him uh educate if you will for a few years underneath this individual um until he decided whether he really wanted to be in our company or not just as we do with all of our staff uh there was no special treatment there at all so is he there for the long haul did he decide to stay in the family business some people don't well, we're going on five years, and so far he still shows up at 6.30 a.m., so we still have our fingers crossed. So he's not pushing a broom anymore. What's he doing? Uh, in a short five years, he was able to earn, and I emphasize earn, uh, a position with us as a sales manager. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, he's doing a fantastic job. Yeah, and it's, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's neat to watch uh, individuals like that that come in, and they just – he doesn't act like a third generation uh, family member. I'm not going to say owner, but a family member. He, there's not one <clears throat> ounce of entitlement. Always looks up. Customers walk in regardless. So I think that's that's a powerful thing. So this this culture thing that you've you've controlled, you've con- you continue to think outside the box. Um, I would like liken you unto if you were a, a medical device company. I would believe that you would have the best group of talent out there representing your medical devices, not look at acquiring other device companies if you were. I mean, I, I think regardless of what industry you'd be in, I, I think that same value system would convey. Yeah. Oh, there is no doubt about that. In fact, we've kicked around numerous times throughout the many years here that whether we're selling cars or 
medical devices, you can take our team and you can plug us in and we would be some of the best or we would hope that we would at uh, selling those cars or those medical devices. So one of the philosophies Jennifer and I have is that the number one job of a leader is to build depth in other leaders. That's it. You know, Grow your team. That's your it. job is to grow people. Exponential. So a few years ago, you started a le- a, the Bruce Logan Leadership Academy. <laughs> yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Bro. LLT, <clears throat> Logan Leadership Training. There you go, baby. You know, that was one process, again, with some of those individuals that were coming to us with less experience. Um, when you have less experience just in day-to-day endeavors and activities, you definitely, for the most part, have less experience in the management and understanding of people and processes. So we decided to be proactive, thinking outside of the box, which is one thing we love to do, and uh, start our own internal training and, and really brand that our culture and our Logan training of what our people needed, maybe not some other companies such as Amazon um, being promoted and educated up with a Zig Ziglar, for instance. Uh, We personalized it. And uh, I tell you what, one of the first things we did was we hopped right into the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership book. And that became for six months, that became our training tool. Now, can anybody get in that? Um, is it only for one branch? How did that? Because you got 180 employees. That's a pretty big classroom. Yeah. Well, what what we started with was we had our branch managers who run our branches day-to-day business. Uh, we had them suggest individuals that they believe would have interest and or potentially um, the skill sets to even go further within this education. And that's where we started. Today, we are a little bit different in that we're taking all internal comers, so to speak, uh, that if you want to get a little bit better, have some additional managerial or Logan managerial understanding, you're invited to attend. So I could be the front desk gal and I can come. You certainly can. So you've you've left that, the leadership only piece. And now you're saying, look, if you want to be a contributor, but you want to enhance your skills, the Logan leadership training or the whatever you call it now, but. Right. Um, I I think the way we started was good because it was a, It was a smaller group. Uh, Obviously, it was uh, a new endeavor for us. Uh, It allowed me to get my feet wet and just how and why we wanted to do the things that we were going to do. But it, it quickly became evident to me that you need to throw that net around your entire organization. And you never know the sleeper, as you say, Jennifer, if it's an administrative person or receptionist, you never know that sleeper that could really help you out. Absolutely. So logistically, right? Because we always get the what comes first, the chicken or the egg questions. Mm. When do you hold this class? Because obviously these people are there to do a job and your customers are still coming in and your phones are still ringing. So when do you hold this kind of class? Well, the... The absolute class that we're talking about or what we've evolved to hasn't started yet. It starts in 2021 
and uh, we do it during hours. And we just were very mindful of the techniques of training, and one of those is time. So this will all be designed not to exceed an hour and a half. That is awesome. So you're doing a lot on the development side of your people. So you you really hone in on selection. You hone in on development. How do you keep them once you get them and train them? How do you keep them engaged? Uh, well, we try to get compromising photos of them first. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, you know, I, I think it has happened naturally. I think that most people, and I would tell you our average tenure is approximately 13 years. Wow. And that's with a pretty tremendous hiring spree within the last 10 years. I think if you develop the culture that people just like coming to work, uh, they're going to stick around. I don't know if there's anything specifically that we do other than everything that we do. Um, and that ranges from a, hey, how you doing in the morning to a, let me help you there and help load this customer. Uh, it could be, let's go out and have a beer. It could be, let's sit down and talk about some new book on technique of management. It's many, many things as as life is not just one thing, neither is retention of employees. Okay, so here's my other chicken and the egg question, right? So many times I hear business owners saying, I I need to hire for this position. Maybe it's, I, I'm about ready to hire for outside sales. I've been doing sales, I'm ready to hire, but I don't have the money yet, okay? Mm -hmm. So they come across the ideal person for that role, the perfect genius for that role. What, do you, what would Bruce Logan do? Borrow money. There you go. It's pretty cheap right now. Okay. Even, <laughs> even when it wasn't, I still would have borrowed money. Um, today's business is, uh, quite honestly, this probably gets down a little bit different wormhole, but um, it's all about leverage. I mean, we're leveraging everything, right? Because you have to, because it's a society of convenience and instant gratification. Um, there's very little time out there. We have to leverage people, talent, education, and yes, we have to leverage monies as well. So we talked about some things that have worked really well with regards to talent development and thinking about people. What's one thing that you did that you headed down the path, initiated it, and it, and it flopped or it didn't work out the way you thought it was going to? What'd you learn from it and what'd you pivot to? Well, I can, I can honestly tell you that there hasn't been many programs or positions that we've started that haven't worked out. And I don't want that to sound egotistical by any stretch, but I would emphasize the fact that there was a lot of forethought placed into those positions or those endeavors, those programs before we did them. Um, wow. I can't think of a failed program that we we didn't keep for some reason and somehow nor that we didn't learn from. So let me ask you this then. <clears throat> for the you know the the leadership, the Logan leadership 
training or the 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 annual events is that as much for the people in the organization as it is for you or is it more for the people how do you see that uh how do i see the llt yeah just in anything that has to do with talent development culture that we're you're doing with your people is that is that just uh this is for thee not for me or are you just as geeked out by it oh i get geeked out on it i'm a teacher by nature um i love to see people evolve i love to see people successful i love to see people grow into their their aptitudes um but it's just as much self-preservation as a business owner as well because that labor pool is a little shallow right now and again especially here in the midwest because they're coming to us with less experience and perhaps even demanding more monies um, it, it's a real dichotomy right now, and it's very interesting in all the comparative years before it. But we have to be vested in those people, and we have to be vested in developing and promoting our culture within them. So, so what about a, some of those owners <clears throat> or executives that go, what if we train these people up and they leave us? <laughs> well, you know the old adage, what if we don't train them and they stay? Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's all about making it better. What's better for the individual is better for that division, which is better for our company, which is ultimately the whole reason we're here, which is better for our customer base. So looking at this, um, every owner, I mean, Jennifer and I deal with it. We know you, but how do you stay just jazzed? I mean, what do you, what do you do to fill your cup? Um, Vodka. <laughs> mixed, straight, ice, dirty, you know, what? Depends <clears throat> on the day. <clears throat> How do I stay jazzed? How do I stay engaged? Well, I tell you, I still, I still love it. I'll be 58 years old this year. Uh, again, I'm an old man in the business uh, by today's terms. Um, I enjoy watching our people grow. And quite honestly, and we've had this conversation numerous times and many years ago, it's, I love grabbing the flag and storming the hill and figuring out the best way to get there with whom. And then ultimately completing that task and being able to sit around and high five and do a little khaki slapping. There you go. What uh, business books are you reading right now? Do you prefer to read or listen to them? And what do you what do you spend uh, your time on right now? I prefer to read, even though I'm probably a slower reader. I'm one of those I get through a chapter before my eyes close on the pillow during the evening. I am currently on New Silk Roads, and New Silk Roads is a very interesting book that was given to me by a, another partner of mine in a separate company and has to deal with the connections that started many millennia ago within silk and spice trading and how that's morphed itself today, primarily within Asia and the Middle East and Europe. A um, little bit uh, global perspective there. But uh, the changes that are that are going on internationally are so much more, uh, we'll say from an economic standpoint, dramatic and exponential than in the U.S. today that it's rather interesting. Excellent. Best business book, leadership book, 
of all time, your favorite, the one you go back and reread the most? Oh, I have a few of them, but I would have to tell you that uh, the core, the basic, the easiest one had to be um, John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Um, time and time again, they are just stand the test of time chapters of of progress and learning of a good leader. Okay. Well, hey, Bruce, honestly, just grateful for your time. Uh, hopefully, it. yeah, hopefully the folks that have been able to listen today pick up a nugget or two, but just it's, it's, it's cool to see the, uh, the industrial economy, intellectual economy merging in a, in a business like yours, which really you've taken a very traditional industrial type thinking group and made them intellectual, just warriors, man, out there taking the market. And it's, it's an honor to be able to watch, witness, and, and partner with you in a lot of ways uh, on talent. So thanks for your time today, Bruce. I know the listeners appreciate it. If they, if they just want to go out and look at your website, just kind of see what Logan Contract is all about, how could they uh, how could they find you on the uh, worldwide ether web? Yeah, you can check out that Logan Facebook or LoganContractors.com. I can roll. And Bruce does a ton of other stuff. I mean, he's philanthropic. He does things with Habitat for Humanity, works with Central Campus, and just always is giving of his time, talents, and energies, and he's probably one of the coolest grandpas <laughs> around, right? There's a lot of us cool grandpas. Yeah, I just became one, brother. I know. Thank you for your time, Bruce. Appreciate you guys much. <laughs>